0: The Peace and Liberty Podcast, Episode 9. Hey everybody, Stephen Clyde here. I'm joined by my good friend, Laura Blodgett, and she's truly an inspiring person. And by the time I'm done with the introduction, you'll see why. She graduated with a BA from UCLA in nursing and worked a short time in pediatrics and on the cardiology floor. But life happened, and she became a full-time wife and mother. That sure didn't stop her, though. Um, she's been blogging for about ten years and has five blogs, in which I'll link to all of them. And she's lived in a lot of places as well, including Taiwan. And while living in Taiwan, she started learning Chinese, which we'll talk about more later. And it's interesting, Laura. Um, I made it my life goal to learn Spanish and Chinese, and I've been using these little apps on my phone just to learn Chinese. like, or I've been learning Spanish so far, like five, ten minutes a day, and it's been really working for me. So uh, let's see here. So one of my favorite sites she runs is the happylibertarian.com, where she encourages parents to stay out of government-run schools, among other things. and, And in fact, she homeschools her children herself. So I could go on and on, and her bio is quite extensive. But Laura, thank you so much for
1: coming on. Thanks for having me.
0: I was just speaking with Sherry Clark who I met at the Tom Woods 1000th episode event and what do you know, I met you at the 1000th episode event too, uh, what, yeah. was your, what was your favorite moment from that?
1: Oh, um, I-, I would have to say that it was multiple because every time I met somebody that I'd known from the Facebook group and we got to see each other, it was just like fireworks, it was wonderful.
0: That would, that would have been my answer too. Yeah, just like meeting people in the flesh and it's, it's a crazy experience. I don't know about you. I stayed up all night. I didn't go to bed till like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m.
1: <laughs> no, you were, I, I could not do that. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, there's so much I can talk about with you, but we only got a short amount of time. So let's start with this. When would you say you became interested in libertarianism or would have called yourself libertarianism and adding on to that, did you come from a left-leaning or right-leaning family
1: growing up? Um, I would say that I did not officially label myself as a libertarian until um, uh, I live in a bit of a time warp, but I think it was probably about four years ago, but I think that I was basically libertarian leaning um, probably from the day I started homeschooling. So that was more like 35 years ago. (laughs) How about that? Just because you, you can't start that sort of thing without having it in your mind is like, wait, they don't have to tell me what to do. I can do this. Oh, I've, I, have you read Brian Kaplan's new book? No, I have not. I did listen to his interview.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm. really excited to read that book. Supposedly, it's devastating to the arguments, but yeah, it's really interesting. So um, you're obviously an author and a versatile one, to say it the least, Uh Tell us about the books you've written because you have so many interests and I honestly, I don't know how you do it all.
1: (laughs) Well, I think I told you, um, you know, you have to consider that I am almost 57 years old. And so I've had quite a few experiences and I'm done teaching my kids at home and my husband is half retired. And so even though I do some of this with some hopes of making it a a little business like it's origin, and just learn so they're all tied up in that um so you know staying fit um and exercising a lot has always been one of my goals and so when i learned about barefoot running i wanted to share that and i wrote that book about barefoot running but then one of my other books is how my husband built the um, backyard brick oven where we cook pizza and different things in it. I, and
0: i saw that i love that
1: yeah so that was lots of fun to do with him and um, it was like the best of all worlds with um, learning to do a book in a kind of an interview and portray what somebody else is doing because of course I live with him and we communicate well. And so all of the things I didn't understand and I could go to him anytime and clarify them. And so that was, that was fun. Uh, how many books have you written? Well, let's see the one about my daughter who died from cancer, the one about the brick oven, the one about barefoot running. Those are the main like, Adult ones. I've done two children's books that were kind of because I was trying to do Chinese children's books. And so I figured if I was doing them in Chinese, I might as well do them in English too. It's kind of backwards. (laughs) Hey,
0: there you go. You know, that was actually my next question to you because you mentioned in your email to me that you're a mother of seven, but you actually had a daughter pass away at the age of 14. Um, Tell me about that because you ended up turning this into a book. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I was actually reading the Amazon comments, and people were like, Wow, this is really inspiring. How did that book come about? Do you think that book was your way of making peace with that situation?
1: Well, I don't know that it was my way of making peace, but it was certainly an expression of that because um, is the
0: book an actual story i i i would, i didn't yes keep, okay, gotcha
1: yeah um it. It sort of has a it has a prologue in it of when she was very young when there was a certain um, birth defect that we noticed that we didn't know until she was ill that that was probably related Um, and then it basically tells of the time period of when she was ill and what it was like for her and what it was like for us and how um, that's not the end of life. I mean, we are sincere Christians, and it's just an example of the hardships of life and how you come through them anyway.
0: In fact, a lot of the comments I'm reading were related just to that, that, you know, death is just another part of life. And you can either look at it tragically or just realize that it happens to all of us. It's, it's part of the bigger picture. And yeah, yeah. I, I come from a Southern Baptist Christian family myself. So yeah, I believe, you know, this is not the end. And yeah. I I've been co- believing that relieves a lot of the anxiety that would come along with. Yeah, I, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've met quite a number of people when they hear my story, and they're afraid of death. And so, partly, I wrote it with the goal of maybe helping people to not be afraid.
0: Yeah, I mean that's wonderful. I mean that's again, you've done so much, and uh, you know, one of your blogs you're most active on is um, the Happy Libertarian. Uh, this is honestly my favorite. Well, by the way, which blog are you most active on? Are you equally active on all of them? or?
1: Um, I think it varies. Um, for instance, it's been winter, and my other one of my blogs centers a lot on gardening, and it's hard to find a lot to write about on gardening from November to March. Hey. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but last <laughs> I started about well 21 weeks ago now I'm um, writing a series 52 weeks to a better relationship with your child and so that's keeping me very consistent on my happy libertarian blog
0: yeah I love your happy libertarian blog because it talks about you know don't put your kids in the public schools it, it ruins our kids and uh, if I ever have kids I'm gonna homeschool them. I am probably just gonna use Tom Woods' uh, Ron Paul homeschool curriculum curriculum but ha- is that what you're utilizing or what have you used uh, that you found successful
1: When I talk to people about teaching their kids at home, I I, I do want to say right off that, you know, taking care of kids is labor intensive. Absolutely. But I actually think that sending them away part of the day to institutions makes it both harder than it needs to be and also seem like it would be harder than it is in the hours that you spend with them at home. And another aspect of that is that, the more you try to copy the institutional style of teaching, the harder that that is all going to be. and um, Because one of the reasons, besides taking them away from government propaganda, from for avoiding the institutional setting, is that it's just not a healthy way to do childhood. Um, Absolutely. But the other thing I always like to emphasize is that, Spending time with your kids is the way to build relationships with them. And if you're sending them off somewhere else for multiple hours of the day, you're depriving yourself of a level of relationship. It's just a given.
0: I mean, I think the common theme you see among parents and kids is that, you know, the kids are rebellious. They do exactly the opposite of what their parents did. How did you manage that? Did you not experience that at all? Or did you handle it differently?
1: Well, again, I think because our relationships were so solid, because on one hand, they saw that I was so completely devoted to taking care of them for all of those years. And because the teaching them at home, they don't have the the other things vying for their attention and their, what's the word I'm looking for, their um, loyalty, mm. in a sense. Um, I have, there's a friend of mine who tells a A simple but very illustrative story of she actually um, didn't take her kids out of school until her oldest was in third grade and the the thing that finally led her to do it was one day her daughter came home from school and said "Um, mom how many vertebrae are in a giraffe's neck and her mom answered her she was the same as there are in a human neck and the daughter was all upset she goes my teacher said you wouldn't know that she said if we went home you know we would be smarter than you ha. and that is a very subtle underlying uh, philosophy of the of the school system is that you're teaching the kids and their parents aren't good enough
0: i mean putting your kids in the hands of the state for 13 years that uh that'll do it but not in the direction not not in a good way <laughs> right well i mean i I'm gonna to link to everything we're talking about here. Gonna to link to Happy Libertarian. What other sites can we link to? I mean, what is like about, uh, where where can we find you?
1: <laughs> well, I have the Happy Libertarian dot com, which is oh, how would I say um, discussing political and social realities with a smile is my tagline. Um, I have Fun Fitness After Fifty dot com, where uh, my tagline is "Old enough to know how to have fun." Um, <laughs> love it. Love it. I have BibleNewsPress.com, where I have written um, a variety of things, including kind of um, on-the-street, reporter-style versions of Bible stories, incidences, and also religious vocabulary studies. So kind of a wide range of things there. Um, DailyImprovisations.com is um, my tagline. That was my first blog that I split everything off of. Um, And the tagline for that is Ordinary Woman, Extraordinary Fun. And that's basically a homesteading, home-based, gardening, sewing. um, Sometimes I visit chocolate shops, stuff like that.
0: (laughs) Hey, homesteading. I'm in favor of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then I guess the last one I haven't mentioned is the funlearningchinese.com. And I'm really in shock that nobody else had that domain.
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, that is one thing I wanted to touch on is that I'm learning Spanish right now on this app called Duolingo. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually, I don't know if it's a Spanish only app, maybe it has Chinese, but basically the way it works, when you download the app, it asks you, um, how many minutes a day do you want to dedicate this? Five minutes, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes? And at some point during the day, it'll be like, hey, dedicate five minutes. Most people can do five or 10 minutes. And I've tried the Rosetta Stone. I've tried the traditional methods. What method has worked best for you? And obviously I, I expect the answer to be just, you know, actually getting out there and trying to talk to people of a different language would help the most. But what other than that would help?
1: Well, I have two different experiences with language learning. The first is actually exposing my kids to Spanish from a very young age because I Knew that it would be easier for them to understand if we started them learning at a young age so we found a tutor who um, Was wonderfully devoted to them she taught from the time my oldest daughter was six until my youngest graduated So that's quite a span of time about every week. She taught them all for a couple of hours in a very interactive way so She is fluent in Spanish and she could teach them a lot of the ins and outs of grammar and different things but that wouldn't have been enough if throughout the rest of the week I had not come up with ways to keep them also involved with the language and so in order to do that I had everything from some very simple tapes um, they were called learnables and they had pictures with them and they could just listen to the tape And it would take them through the pictures and do what was going on in the pictures. And then they would take a simple quiz just to show if they had absorbed it. And it was never graded. It was, if you learned it, you progressed. If you didn't learn it, you went back and listened again. And I also stocked up on books so that they could take turns reading to each other in Spanish. Um, And then I also bought a number of movies that had Spanish language tracks. And for that, I um, determined early on that the best way to do it was to buy animated movies, because with animated movies, you do not have the lip sync problem. So that didn't um, bother their, their visual cues, so to speak.
0: Interesting. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, that does make sense.
1: And I also had had rules, which I tried to make fun. Like if there's a, if you're watching a Spanish movie and it could have been like a Walt Disney, um, the Robin Hood with the foxes or whatever, um, that if you want to talk about it, you have to talk about it in Spanish. Uh, I would imagine
0: in that sense, like if you've watched uh, the Disney movies in English and like you remember the lines, when you see it in Spanish and you recognize that same line, you're like, Oh, that's what that's supposed to mean.
1: They may have some, but they actually um, talk about the fact that because I was an advocate of limiting uh, what they spent time on that I felt maybe would keep them from being involved in other creative activities. Okay. So they couldn't just watch movies whenever they wanted in English, but they could watch Spanish movies a lot more regularly. So some of the movies they know better in Spanish.
0: I mean, how have they progressed? I mean, are they quite fluent
1: at this point? or um, The... The younger four are pretty fluent. I I think they're all fairly fluent, but it kind of depends on how, how much interaction they've had with it. As as if
0: if they were put in, dropped in the middle of Mexico right now, they could know a few things to like get around.
1: Definitely, like oh, that's great. My youngest daughter. um, Well, a lot of them worked as soccer referees, but it was just kind of funny with her. She's Mm -hmm. blonde, and she was being a soccer referee um, for a couple of teams where they were all spanish-speaking and they were really really competitive and they were kind of mean and and saying mm. a bunch of things and they didn't realize she could understand them
0: <laughs> oh man that's 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 a good reason to learn another language you know i when mean, yeah. people are talking
1: about you yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and keeping control of the game there for her oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well this has been a really great discussion um i do want to wrap up here so as everyone knows this whole week has been dedicated to women and libertarianism and Uh, I've been asking this question to every guest this week. Libertarianism is thought of as a white male movement, and I personally reject that. I would claim that peace and liberty is for everyone that understands the non-aggression principle and property rights is is willing to respect all that. But how would you respond to the claim that libertarianism, even just regardless of race, is male-dominated, and therefore being a woman and a libertarian, that would be an oxymoron? Um, And I'm sure you've heard these kind of sentiments before.
1: Well, I think it partly has to do with just how people get together and communicate and label themselves. Because like I was saying, I believe that I really was libertarian at heart for many years when I was teaching my kids at home. And when I found the label, I'm like, oh, that's me. And so I think that that also is true for a lot of my friends and different people who are not happy with government things. They're libertarian and they don't know it. And they're also confused by political labels.
0: That's a really good way to put it. I mean, um, I'm a thin libertarian, so I believe the non-aggression principle is the main starting point of my philosophy and, you know, other things are other things, but that's the starting point of my philosophy. So yeah, I mean, libertarianism in that sense is almost just a way of life. And yeah, you could theoretically just be a libertarian and not really, is it. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's been really great talking to you, Laura. Obviously, it's great seeing you again after the Tom 1000 episode event. So uh, we're going to link to everything, like I said. And uh, well thank you so much for coming on, Laura.
1: You're welcome. It's nice to talk to you, Stephen.
0: All right. So uh, tomorrow we got on a great guest. We have Dr. Mary Ruard, And uh, she's we're going to talk about her new book, Death by Regulation. So you guys won't want to miss it, as always, for Peace and Liberty. See you tomorrow. Hey everyone, please like, follow, donate, subscribe, and share. Any donations will be used to reach more people.